0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, in fact, wherever or whenever you're listening to this episode of the NA Golf Channel Podcast. We're back after, I don't know, five or six weeks. Hello, Emma, how are you? I'm
1: grand, thank you. How are you doing?
0: Very well. Thanks for asking. So here we are. We're back again. Loads to talk about as always. Emma, what's on the agenda, please?
1: Okay, well, first up we will be reflecting in a very mature way, reflecting on the KPMG Women's Irish Open, which was won by Clara Spilkova.
0: Yeah, and we'll hear from our latest US Open qualified player. That's amateur Matt McLean.
1: Fantastic. But before any of that, here are a few other wee things that you may have missed along the way.
0: Yeah, and I can I just say off the bat that I hate wraparound golf seasons. I've always hated them. <laughs> I'll <I'd> continue to hate <laughs> them. A season should in <laughs> January. December. This starting one season and the end of another year just drives me demented. However, the 2023 DP World Tour season uh, will launch with concurrent events in Australia and South Africa in November with the Fortnite Australian PGA Championship at Royal Queensland and the Joburg Open held at Houghton Golf Club in South Africa.
1: Yeah, do you remember when it turned when they changed the schedule and they had the DP World Championship, and everyone was like, "Yes, it's gonna go until the..." Oh no, it didn't. Anyway, uh, Irish American Partnership Ambassador Leona McGuire announced the award of twenty thousand dollars in grants to four local primary schools to coincide with her her participation with the KM, KPMG. Women's Irish Open, apologies. In addition to the four schools announced today, 75 schools across the island of Ireland have seen $290,000 in funding as part of the Partnership's 2022 grants under the initiative, which is fantastic. That sounds like a lot of money. It's a
0: lot of dough, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lough Gairns Resorts, Faldo Campus, of course, will be thrust into the spotlight, apparently, next month. That's all mm-hmm. October, when the PGA Euro Pro Tour Championship finale takes place from the 19th to 21st October. Uh, the event is open to the general public, so it's free of charge, there are no tickets required. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have highlights in Sky Sports and there should be plenty of home interest with the likes of Stuart Graham and uh, Dermot McElroy, all vying for one of the, the five Challenge Tour cards on offer. However, Emma, as we mm-hmm. were just talking about briefly, this is the end of the Challenge Tour, of the, not the Challenge Tour, of the the euro pro tour they've announced yeah. just announced today uh we're talking also from the 28th that uh, after 20 years the euro pro tour is wrapping up there will be no more which is a real okay. shame maybe it's a sign of the times okay. financially but like this is this tour has been a proving ground for a lot of players
1: absolutely and like you know we're just saying there five challenge tour cards on offer from from that and that's that route is not gonna be there anymore and just the regular competition and you know any tour that's a tour rather than just one-off events just builds you know if you're heading that direction in your career and things there's lots of ways to go and that was always a way in for for European players and it's it's very sad you say financially absolutely sort of hope when things have survived more recent dips around you know 2007 all those Times when European Tour was struggling for sponsors and all that stuff, and it, it's just a, it's a real shame. I'm I was quite shocked when uh, when we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, actually. yeah, kind,
0: kind of out of the blurring. Maybe people in the know, mm-hmm. but certainly you know I was well, it was up at uh Bay, yeah, uh, for their event more recently, and, and we know it said the big of the big finale is going to to Locker next next month. There was not a mention of it, but. Yeah. that there was problems. But clearly, that's where things are going, which is a real shame. And the question now is, where do those young pros play who are trying to get themselves a foothold? The Alps yeah. tour, obviously, as well established over in the continent, but there's even more traveling there. So I would say this is an yeah. interesting one. This could be some fallout in this now and lads making decisions about their long term careers and career yeah. prospects. It's going to be strange for them. you yeah, know. It's, it's
1: not- Definitely, you're right it's definitely going to have some big big knock-on effects to to um yeah a lot of people and where they were plotting their way and like you say you know the expense of when you're at that level just trying to get to tournaments and cover your costs and everything else is is quite a lot so you know it's great like you say there's the the outstore, but that is you know if you're based in uk or ireland then that's not it's handy and everything is, as we know, exponentially expensive at the moment. So it's was- very sad. We'll move on to slightly better news. Um, Darren Clark has presented his Senior British Open Trophy for display at Royal Portrush. He's also handed over his winner's medal, as well as a special commemorative medal, which the RNA awarded to past Open champions to mark the 150th anniversary of the tournament, which was staged this year at St Andrews. Clark became just the fourth player ever to win the Open and Senior British Open when he did it at Glen Eagles. So,
0: Yeah, not a bad idea. It track really record didn't. is it when you think about it it's not been a yeah, bad old career for Darren.
1: It really hasn't and that's lovely. You know, it's nice for him to be able to be in a position to to share those things with the, the wider community and back at back at Port Rush as well. So good on him as we say. Good on him. okay so let's get into the kpmg women's at Jumaland castle which was won by czech star clara spilkova after a playoff here's what clara had to say after claiming her second tour win
2: i mean i was just trying to stay patient out there because i i started a little f- funny so so i i but i just really believed in myself somehow and i just kept saying myself that it's there for me it's there for me it's been a while and of course I've been playing really good recently so I just somehow I believed or I was trying to convince myself that um, I can win today yeah
3: I mean you've been so positive all week you said to me just the other day "I'm I'm a great putter you know it's not often players say something like that (laughs) and but they go out there and back it up so your self belief was that strong out there
2: yeah well I I have to admit that yesterday I was a a bit struggle on eight and nine I I made some bad swings and 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 I kind of struggled yesterday throughout the the back nine two I saved a lot of putts out there so so and but today it was totally different approach and I felt much calmer even even though I mean of course I was a little nervous but I just felt uh, much more uh, grounded yeah
1: you know. now there was upwards of 24,000 people there over the course of the week with approximately 10,000 people there on the Sunday most of whom we have to say were hoping to see Leona Maguire win however slightly denied but you couldn't say that she didn't give her all uh, here's what she had to say she caught it a final round 68 to share fourth place
3: my very best shot today especially on the back nine and um it was just a little bit too far back after Friday. Um, but if you'd have told me I'd have finished 13-under Friday night, I would have taken it. So, um, yeah, there's been some great golf played. I think the Irish fans had a lot to cheer about this week. They've come out in their droves. I think the first Irish Open in 10 years has been a, a roaring success. It's been a great success, great golf from you. Obviously, you brought the crowds up, but The crowds have enjoyed good golf all round, and it's set up to be a very exciting finish. Were you aware how close you were coming down the stretch? No, I mean, I knew I had to make birdies, so that was, that was the only plan. I wasn't really looking at leaderboards and stuff like that. I knew I had a lot of ground to catch up, so just trying to... I was personally thought 16-under today going out was the, was the number to get to um, and was trying to get to there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was day two that really cost you this tournament in some ways, but you must be so proud of how you fought back after that. I mean, you couldn't have done much more after that, after that score on day two. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been easy to give up Friday night, but came out fighting Saturday and and gave myself a chance today, which which is all I could ask for. And um, yeah, frontline hasn't been my friend this week. Hopefully, next year when I come back,
1: uh, it'll be a little kinder to me.
0: Well, did you catch any of it? I
1: did. I did. There was. Um there was an awful lot of golf on at the same time. There it was, was um,
0: it was a very busy weekend.
1: Times yeah. looking around, trying to make sure you could find yeah. the right one and trying not to get sidetracked yeah. by one of the other ones. Um, but yes, yeah, I did. Um, I didn't see as much of it as I wanted, and as previously discussed on this very podcast, we both wanted to try and get there in person, and neither of us actually managed that, which is not a big, good. A big good. disappointment. Um, but it looked fabulous. It was, it was one of them where. I think you're just proud, aren't you? When you when you look at it, and you know all players from across the world when they play golf in Ireland, they always say how great the crowds are. And not just the numbers, but the, the knowledge and the appreciation of the different shots. It's not just getting the hole and oh great, you sunk a massive putt. It's the understanding of the game, and yeah. you know the, just the whole feel around it. And you just yeah, you're watching it. When, I really wish I was there. Although, obviously, you can always see a wee bit better on TV what's going on. However, um, it it was it was great, wasn't it? It was no, everything. it was it
0: was it was a cracking return for the tournament. Crowds were excellent. The the noise yeah. on the Saturday ah, when Leona was roars. putting her run together, yeah. the roars when she shot that sixty five oh. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Talking about Leona, she obviously came in. She was struggling a wee bit with jet lag. Second mm. round was poor. Dug herself back out again, and then got herself into hunt. Which you know, yeah. So often in the Irish, Irish Opens, particularly the men's, you know, where leading players don't actually make any impact. So everything, this tournament really was on her shoulders. There was yeah. no, there was you know there's a number of amateurs played, but obviously there's no Olivia. She stepped away for for to help look after herself and good luck to to yeah. Olivia if if she's listening, Olivia all the best. Hopefully we'll see you back soon. And Stephanie That's obviously good. she's still in still America. She's got to try and retain her card. She couldn't really make the effort to to come over as much as she'd like to. But so that that mm-hmm. left it a lot riding on her on her shoulders. She did very well with all that extra tension and all that extra pressure to perform as well as she did. And certainly, you know, ten thousand people in the Sunday and you know, most of them were there to see her. There's there's no way about it. it just shows you yeah. that she still is a major draw. She is up there with some of the most famous sports people in Ireland, full stop. Um yeah. so fair play to her, you know, she she took that on um, and she stood up and she 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 put on a show for the fans, which is all you can ask. Now the other thing that she was very quick to talk about was the scheduling. And of course, Anir, uh, there was a part of me, my heart sunk because
3: yeah.
0: we're forever talking about Irish Opens and scheduling. And yeah. we've had this conversation many a time about let's stop talking about the negatives of Irish Opens and let's yeah. start talking about the positives and stop worrying about who's not there and start worrying mm-hmm. about who's going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who's there already, who's committed. So, that conversation has started. I don't know what you think. I, I, my heart, as I said, my heart sunk a wee bit. I understand what she's talking about, getting more players there, getting more of the top players there, enticing a few players from the LPGA, mm. but, yeah. you know, it was the first one out of the gate.
1: I think the, there was always a lot riding on this event in particular, because it's going to be there, isn't it, for the for the three years, but what what happens to years two and three if the first one? You know isn't a success so from that point of view fantastic and i guess the way one of the ways you want to build on that success is to get better well more familiar names in so there's not you know leona isn't the the major draw and i suppose maybe it might end up being a co-sanctioned event or something which is a way forward for a lot of let events isn't it that that automatically changes the field and everything else. But like we've discussed before, the scheduling particularly with the women's is, is so important because because of the costs involved. And, you know, when the ISPS was on and Stephanie was over for that, wasn't she? That's, you know, around the same time as as the um, the women's open. And although, you know, it, it tied into other things, whereas, you know, she, like we were saying, she's trying to keep recording all that. So the scheduling, even though it is, yeah, bang your head against wall time, but it does have an impact and particularly i think just the structure of the way that the ladies tour events work compared to even the men's that there's sort of an all singing all dancing circus that just arrives months in advance and sort of unfolds at an event for them for the men's tour Um, obviously that the local course and has to be set up properly and and that they're all involved that's not i mean i don't mean that it's a takeover in the local People aren't involved at all, but there's a much. It's the onus is very much, in the responsibility and the funding is so much on the course itself and the people who run the course and them to get events organization and all that stuff. So you can almost say in the women's tour in particular that it. You know, they do need more input. They need to keep the momentum going. KPMG is a brilliant sponsor to have on board. Leona's is a big pull, but to to keep it going, so it's going to stay as part of the the um. The schedule wherever it may sit that it's part of the schedule it, it yeah. probably does need a little bit more to keep that going but particularly you know, i think i read something about how much more expensive you know when they first said we'd love to host it and we're on board but, but with everything that's happened with it, the cost yeah, of yeah, prices, it because
0: yeah it's suddenly when they were
1: actually putting it on it suddenly cost them like twice three times as much yep. for everything from like a portaloo to a grandstand to a, so you know they they really do do need that consideration and careful planning even more than they do on, um, on the the DP World Tour. To be honest, yeah.
0: Well, that, that's a fair point. The, the, the you know the the infrastructure, the delivery of the of the event itself, um, shipping all the stuff around. Um, now they did they did bring in a local firm to do a lot of that. Yes. So they had to do that, but at the same time, you know, even dressing the course and things like that, um, it was probably. A difficult one for them all, but to bit the bullet. So overall, marks out of ten for the first Irish Irish women's open in a while. would you give it nine, nine, eight out of ten, nine out of ten, seven out
1: of ten? Nine. Nine. nine out of ten. are
0: going full out. I'm gonna say I am, I just thought it was fab. I thought it was fantastic.
1: And to say yeah,
0: I I would go eight. I'm going eight. That's only based on the fact that Olivia and Stephanie weren't there. Yes. Who yeah. who are our, our, our next leading professionals? But yeah, in terms of staging it and the reaction and the fans and the coverage, mm-hmm. which was pretty strong. Yeah. Well done to yeah. everybody. Well done everybody at Well done to everybody at the LET. Well done to Leona and Modest and Golf Ireland. Everybody pat in the backs. Mm-hmm. Another event that we give everybody a pat in the back. This is getting which far too nice for you. Think? <laughs> We thought, never thought we'd hear us say that about ourselves. Right. Almost some other news now. Uh, as the season draws slowly and inexorably to a close, mm-hmm. just look out the side today there. It was dark at half seven. Hard to mm-hmm. get nine holes in after work at that stage. Not good enough. Yeah. Anyway, listen, uh, Peter O'Keefe and Jessica Ross were crowned. Irish men's and women's mid-arm champions at Blaine Row. Douglas Godfrey O'Keefe finished five shots clear of Quentin Carew, while in the women's event Clandy boys Ross finished, we well, us see this, 19 shots ahead of second <laughs> place Gillian O'Leary, he must have been playing a different golf course.
1: Whoa, that's um, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I did not realise it was by that much of a margin. That's
0: it's a... either 19 or 9. My, well. count, my count is not good. So it's 19 or 9, but I think it was 19.
1: Anyway, I'd still be impressed with 9, but 19 is unbelievable. And um, Golf Ireland's men and women's teams were also in action at the World Amateur Team Championships in Paris. In the Women's Championship, the Espirito Santo Trophy, Ireland finished 16th out of 56 competing teams. And in the Men's Championship, that's the Eisenhower Trophy, Ireland finished tied 19th. And
0: the big news, the big amateur story of recent weeks was Malone's Matt McLean beating Irish teammate Hugh Foley in the final of the U.S. Mid-Am. Now, this Mm -hmm. is a win that comes with it all sorts of perks, including an exemption into the 2023 U.S. Open at the Los Angeles Country Club, and also a likely invitation to next April's Masters Tournament. So Mm -hmm. I sat down for a good old chinwag with Matt see how he's managed to get his head around everything that he's achieved. Matthew congratulations on your U.S. mid arm success. Take me back when did you decide that you were going to enter this event in the first place?
4: Well we I, we'd only heard of the event for the first time probably in May this year so that was the first time hearing of the event and then there were sort of thoughts about, you know, should we enter it or obviously it's a big, a big sort of week and sort of a lot of time away and sort of pretty expensive. So uh, we, we thought thought about a, a couple of guys, four or five guys I think from Ireland were talking about it. And then maybe sort start of August, maybe maybe start of July, sorry maybe, that we, me and Hugh then decided, yeah, we'll just go ahead and enter it and see, you know, and see how we get on. so. Yeah, it was all relatively, relatively recently that it came yeah, came into the sort of the mind.
0: Yeah, because I presume one of the things we've talked about before on the podcast is, you know, the idea that we are at a stage where where are guys are after world ranking points. Yeah. So you're probably trying to weigh that up. So you need every the, the blessing of Golf Ireland, Neil Manship, the coaching teams, everything before you even think about making these trips. Is that right?
4: Uh, from and from a world ranking point of view, uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, we're allowed to enter whatever we want or don't enter whatever we want. Certain, You'll see certain players, you know, not just Ireland, but all over the place, will weigh up the sort of the, the ranking events or the power ranking of the event uh, and sort of look at the field and weigh up that sort of thing. I personally don't. I just sort of enter anything and play it. That's the way I sort of, that's why I've done this year anyway. Yeah. Uh, and if I, I tend not to think about world ranking at all uh, in <laughs> terms of, in terms of managing it anyway. So,
0: uh, so William, what was it attracted you to this one?
4: Yeah. Well, the obvious was the the prize at the end was the, was the reason why it went over. I, I would probably have said if, if you didn't get the sort of the invites to the majors after, uh, would you have gone over? Probably not. So that was probably the driving factor to go over, but then just when we we're over there actually playing the event and seeing how, uh, you know, like how serious it was. it was. you know, it was it was run like it was run as good as the amateur back here. So it was it was a really sort of top USGA run event. So uh, that was that was the driving factor initially to go over, it. but after having played it and sort of the organization and you know how serious it's all taken you know, it's I would definitely go back, you know, in the future at some point.
0: So you went out, you and she went out in terms of your form going out to Matt, you know, where was the game? What 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 state were you at?
4: Yeah, it was good. Um if anything, I probably had my worst week all year the week before in the, the Eisenhower. So I didn't I didn't play that bad as such. I scored pretty poorly for how I played as well. But it was probably my worst scoring event all year. Um, it, it, with that sort of regard, so you might say maybe not good, but it's one week. So the way I was looking at it, it was, you know, I've had months of sort of good golf, that a week shouldn't sort of affect you going forward. So yeah, where I was, I was playing good, sort of pretty confident. Didn't really know what to expect. Was the only factor that we we sort of weren't sure about, and then it was just a matter of going over and play and seeing how the American course sets up, you know, we don't play American courses, obviously, that style, of course, very often. Uh, the greens were very sort of firm, fast, had green on them, the rough was heavy. So all that American sort of uh, characteristics. Thankfully, maybe to a certain extent, we had sort of a bit of a downpour of rain for uh, sort of a, a day and a half period, which sort of softened the course up and played a bit longer, but the greens were a bit softer and things so that maybe Maybe worked out in our advantage, just compared to the Americans who've played, you know, their whole lives in those sort of courses. So maybe that was sort of a blessing in disguise that it, it sort of worked out in our favor.
0: And around hills, of course, um, was was where the event the event was held. And uh, did you take to the place? Did you did you did you settle straight away?
4: Yeah, I think so. Um, the in terms of sort of the cor- course itself the the st- like the staff in the place are all it's a resort golf course so you know to a certain extent they may be paid to be nice you know when you go to nice places there's they're getting paid to be nice but it did sort of feel genuine when for this tournament that they were sort of you know interested in sort of talking to you and whether or not the the irish connection sort of rolled over into the america as well and maybe some comments towards us were a bit more genuine or Maybe uh, believed a wee bit more than than the other people, possibly. But yeah, no, we were we were sort of made to feel at home, sort of. You know, anytime we stepped foot in the property, uh, and it was pretty cool seeing the Shamrocks. You know, the Shamrocks, their logo. So it, it was it was an odd sort of experience. It almost felt like you were sort of sort of in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, at times, with the support you were getting and Shamrocks and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, no, it was it was it was a pretty cool place to for the week.
0: And obviously, you and you Foley ended up playing against each other, which is particularly strange when you think about it. All the fact that he's went there and the caliber of some of the players you were playing against for the two years they end up playing against each other in the final it was all a bit strange. He's our good mates. Um, how did you manage to deal with that?
4: Yeah, as I said, the the odds of it happening are, are pretty sort of pretty high. The more for the fact that even in a even in a golf tournament, no matter how Good, the field is, or you know, whatever. taking it out the standard of the players. to actually sort of get into the qualifying and avoid each other on the side, and then sort of win all the matches. Is pretty, is pretty odd. But yeah, it was, it was. We were joking about at the start of the week that that's the ideal outcome for the week, because it means at least we've both got to the final. We've got to the most success we can do without impacting the other person. But then obviously it's it's tough to sort of play the final for both of us either way it would have been tough whoever won the final to sort of you've won yes but then you're also directly beside, you know your your friend who's then you know lost the final but it's the same with golf and any sports you, you know you have to you have to sort of concede losses much more than you have to sort of celebrate wins so uh, I had a decent amount of practice and conceding losses this year so uh, you know I would lucky enough I was able to get this one uh, yeah. over the line.
0: Have you been surprised by the reaction?
4: A bit, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we don't. I don't think we really sort of looked. I don't think we, because we we're in America, obviously, we don't get any of the news, any of the live news, anyway. So, as it sort of filtered on towards the end of the tournament, you were getting more and more messages from people who don't normally message it because there may maybe nothing to do with golf. You know, people you just know and outside of golf that's – you know, they saw it on the news and sort of messaged you being like, you know, good luck for this. And it's, you can generally tell by how your phone reacts, probably how how much interest there is. So uh, I would say, you know, got, well, getting to the last 16 quarter final stage, it really sort of, yeah, the phone started buzzing a bit more. And then, yeah, after the final, it was, it was pretty much sort of, it couldn't, couldn't respond to anything because there was just, as you were texting, there was more and more coming in. So, uh, and then even the likes of sort of even BBC were in contact, and you know that all that sort of stuff. It definitely didn't feel as big of an event when we were out there compared to what it maybe was actually uh, back home.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you suddenly when you mentioned the Masters as a possible um, outcome, invite um, US Opens, all these sort of things. Um, you know, have you sort of had to think, well, hang on a second. Now I had plans for April. <laughs> I had plans for the summer, and now maybe I might have to rejig. Would you have been working in April?
4: No. So I basically organise work probably two or three months in advance. So I have no work to cancel, thankfully, uh, which everyone I sort of have worked for uh, in the in the different sort of stores will be happy to hear. So uh, no, I, I sort of know it's two or three months notice. I generally work in advance, so I don't have to cancel anything. I think the Masters clashes with the West. So, you know, if you know, you never know what you're going to get at the West, but generally it's five degrees and hailstone. So uh, that's the only clashing thing at that time. And then I'll, you know, I'll probably work a bit less in the run up to it, just for, you know, obviously to go out and practice and sort of things like that, but not a huge amount. And then in the US Open clashes, I think with the amateur or something like that. But again, I, I would have been playing those events. that time anyway so uh, it will only clash with other amateur events okay as opposed to anything outside of that i I think anyway yeah
0: Uh, so uh, you know it's probably hard to say but so much now opened up that maybe was on your horizons but maybe possibly wasn't you were thinking well i'm kind of there but not really there you know walker cup all these things now are really in the frame, but suddenly you're, you're high profile again, you know, really you've gone up. So yeah. in terms of your own expectations, what way are you sort of thinking about things?
4: Yeah, it's tough. I would say, I, I don't know, it's probably the answer at this point because it's all still obviously very fresh and you don't really know what you'll get out of it as such. You obviously know you get the two invites and then, you know, that's there. there'll be two good weeks. Whether or not you build some sort of plan around those weeks and sort of you know try to do something that way, I'll probably actually I'll probably have to have a think about it and sort of talk to a few people and we are more knowledgeable in the sort of field or in that in that sort of that sort of area. So uh, yeah, I'll need to talk to a few people and see if there is anything to be done or organised to sort of get the most out of it. But yeah, as you said, it's a huge opportunity from a golf standpoint. But I think at the end of the day, you still have to play well to take anything out of it. Yeah. Other than the experience of playing, you know, yeah,
0: just go in there and hack it around for two two rounds wouldn't be particularly useful for anything.
4: You'll not get any more out of it, but you'll still be able to go out and play, which you know it's better than nothing, I suppose. You'll still get to sort of say you've done it. So, but yeah, I mean, any sort of obviously it's a massive jump in standard when you go from any level of amateur golf up to that standard. It's you know it is it's night and day, but. Um, the idea is to be able to sort of go with a mindset so that you're playing a golf tournament, mm. and you're not there for a holiday. is Is the way you sort of have to look at it. So you might have to sacrifice a few sort of, you know, ideal situations where you might want to go out and, you know, enjoy it. And but you have to, you know, keep pretty focused and try not to try to block out all those sort of things as well uh, to a certain exactly. extent. So, so just, um, yeah.
0: just wanted to take it back a bit. Um, when you started playing golf and and you know where you grew up playing things like that was this always your ambition because you know you're you're still playing amateur golf you're 28 29 now I many guys turned pro already or you know why for example did you stay amateur and are still working so let's start at the beginning where did you start playing golf and uh, what was the ambitions at that stage
4: yeah so the first the first time i ever played golf i probably couldn't tell you what golf course it was If I give you a golf course, I'd probably be somewhat lying. Uh, The first about my first golf club was Balmoral golf club just around the corner from me. So my dad was a member there and sort of family friends were members there. So, and it was, you know, within walking distance. So that's, I joined there maybe 10 years old, something like that. Um, And then that's where I sort of played all my sort of juvenile golf up until 22 maybe, and then sort of moved to England for a few years. So I wasn't a member anywhere here. So I had sort of a good 12 years probably at Balmoral, so that's, that's where I learned how to play golf, you know, played all juvenile competitions, Fred Daly, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, like it was, you know, as, as enjoyable as I think you can get as a juvenile playing, in, playing in Balmoral. So I have nothing but sort of fond memories in Balmoral, sort of all the people you sort of met over the years. I'm still in contact with a lot of the guys from Balmoral. Um, we're actually playing golf on Friday with three of ball from Balmoral back in the day so uh yeah I have a lot of sort of you know friends from from years ago in Balmoral and it was really a good golf club as in there were you know there was a lot of members very interested in the juvenile section and sort of give us a lot of support we ended up getting a good bit of success as well we I think we got two two Fred Daly Ulster titles when we okay. were there
0: okay so, so you were generating not understanding yeah. that you were competitive and you could be competitive and do well
4: yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was it was definitely a competitive sort of atmosphere, uh, and the sort of the team worked out well. And then I played sort of June. Play, I played interprovincial provincial golf for Ulster at boys for one year, so I was sort of at, at that level uh, at under eighteen. But you know, there was it's funny. It was sort of people are d- better at different sports at different ages. I was sort of at that level at that stage, but wasn't. I never made sort of an Irish team uh, at at boys level. But yeah, played pretty much all the golf in Balmoral, and that—that's that's where I played ninety-nine percent of my golf growing up.
0: You never had any intentions at that stage thinking about pros or, you know, you'd put your you'd competed, but you know, west, north, all that sort of stuff. But golf was never a job that you saw in the future.
4: Probably not. It's it's funny. I think I think golf as a professional now is looked upon very differently than even like if you sort of say 16, 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. I think golf now as a profession has looked far more sort of accessible than golf back then. When I was sort of growing up in sort of juvenile days, golf was seen as like, you know, Roy McElroy is a professional golfer. You know, that that's that's where the headlines were. And if you weren't winning the West and winning the North and winning all, you just you, there wasn't a thought about it really. To a certain extent, I probably wasn't, I probably, I may have got a sort of an offer to a couple of universities in America, but it was never really at the forefront of the the decision. So I've probably professional golf seemed a sort of a long way away at that stage, but you probably always have any sort of amateur golfer at Mm. any age probably has that idea that they'd like to be a professional golfer, Mm. whether or not the reality was there or not at that time, it was probably not.
0: Yeah. So you went, you went to university. You did your, you did your optometry mm-hmm. qualifications. So you're qualified opt- opt- optometrist. I can never yes. say that word. I know, I know. Um, and uh, you're you're working away in that field. So how have you found mixing work and and top level golf? Because it's not easy. Although you know, I do think one other high profile optometrist that that managed to do it, mm-hmm. Paula Grant, managed to do it at the highest level as well.
4: Yeah, so it's tough when you sort of say mixing work with golf, to a certain extent, I think doesn't work. As in, I don't really mix golf with work. I sort of work over the winter and then play golf throughout the summer. So it's... You've got it's, the perfect
0: life, man. Not well, life. At the,
4: yeah, at the moment, people say that to me, but you know, it can't last forever. So uh yeah, it, it's not necessarily <laughs> mixing the two as such. It's more having two separate, you know, two separate times of the year, really, is the way I sort of look at it. So you know you can mix mix a bit in there but with in terms of when i was getting the qualification i played a lot less golf so you know there was probably 18 probably 18 or 19 until i was sort of 24 25 really didn't play that much competitive golf so there's a bit of a gap there that you know you always look at it that if you you did it the other way around and went straight into the golf side of things and did it full time would you be in this position when you're 24, which is the sort of the norm, if you like. Um, so that's one way to look at it. But as I said, I decided to go, yeah, do the degree first and um, do it that way around and then take take sort of three or four years out after I'd finished that.
0: Yeah, see, well, I can't argue it's working for you. Yeah, You know, it's one of those things where I'm saying, well, how's it working out for you? Not bad, you know, I'm playing the masters next year, US yeah. Open and whatever yeah, else yeah. comes along.
4: I'll take it,
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. Um. But in terms of when you're speaking to young people nowadays would you advise that approach
4: uh, i don't know it's it's a tough one to sort of advise or not advise on i think everyone's different in what they need to do at that stage i think what i would advise is that you need to sort of see what your capability or what your ability is at that stage so the likes of me when i was 18 i can as i said i may have got an offer to go to america may not have but you know i wasn't on an Irish panel. I was a good bit off sort of the standard you need to be to even be thinking about turning pro. So from that point of view, it made a bit more sense for me to sort of go and do the degree first and do it that way. And then you have that and then give it a go after. Yeah. But the likes of the guys here, are maybe, you know, top 10 in Ireland at under at under 18s level, I think nowadays, because it's so competitive at that age, you you do it first. I think if you're going to give golf a go, you go and do it at that age. Uh, and if you get an offer to go to America when you're 18, you know, that's the way to do it, I think, for most people. But yeah, it, it depends what the situation is on the individual. But yeah. if you're if you're in the stage where you're good enough, I don't think there's any need to delay it by four or five years.
0: No, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the likes of yourself and Colly Campbell have both shown that you can do it. Um, and it's, I always think it's a great thing that you have people who who have a real life outside of golf. I think it's it's a great thing, it, um, and it probably helps um, some of the Irish teams to have that bit of experience. There's yourself, Peter Giff, column, you know the age of the Irish teams actually not that young any longer because, as you said, the younger no. guys are are awake. Yeah, but as so soon as they the get thing, the chance.
4: Yeah, you'll get. I think the Irish sort of amateur golf structure set up a good bit different than a lot of the other countries where. You know, I think in the France team, you basically don't make a national panel if you're over 21 or 22, because you come into the national panel to turn pro, and then they have a, like a churning system, which is one way to do it. I don't think that's the way it should happen because I don't think you shouldn't use an amateur golfing system just to you know develop professionals. It should be a big part of it, and that's what you know at the end goal you want that professional golfers coming from Ireland, but there still has to be an like an amateur golf setup as well. And that I would have thought has to be the priority, uh, yeah. which it is in Ireland. It's just, so it's a good place to play.
0: And finally, how much of an ambition is the Walker cup now? Is that really firmly the, the next big agenda?
4: Yeah. Well, I said, I said at the start of this year, that um, I sort of thought, you know, if you're going to say a goal and sort of, just sort of say it, I think there's sort of a lot of the times you keep stuff to yourself and don't say anything out loud and, so, if, if you don't get it, then you haven't, no one knows that you weren't trying to get that. So, I just sort of decided this year that I'd have that goal to sort of say, you know, I want to win a championship, make the St. Andrews trophy team, uh, and sort of get top 100 in the world, in the, in the world rankings. So, they managed to do all three this year, which was last, obviously, last, last attempt there to get it, got two of them. So, yeah, there's that sort of aspect to sort of say out loud what you want to do at the start of last year I sort of said as well to a few friends and everyone's like yeah Walker Cup is then the goal again at the start of this year it wasn't out of the question but it was definitely sort of you know there's a few people ahead of me in the queue for Walker Cup so making a call to say you want to make a Walker Cup team is probably quite a big big call to say but yeah I said that at the start of the year so you know made that's an Andrews team which is the guts of the Walker Cup team um, and yeah, there's no sort of secret about it. I think if you ask any amateur, the Walker Cup is obviously the sort of be all and end all from, from an Irish point of view in golf. So yeah, that would be the main goal, along obviously with the other goals of at least, you know, adding a championship uh, uh, and as many as you can. You know, one is brilliant and very hard to do, but you know, you want to just sort of win as many as you can and sort of play play the golf. But yeah, you know, at the end of the season, that uh, obviously the weekend is is the main goal. Yeah.
0: Just uh, um, just quickly then, uh, before I let to go. Yeah. Um, does the win get you an invite to the US Amateur as well?
4: It does, yeah. So. Oh,
0: that's an interesting one.
4: Yeah, yeah. So me and Hugh both get an invite to the US Amateur next year. So we will, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, I think I get an invite for the next three years <laughs> uh, to the US Amateur and Hugh gets an invite next year and maybe Brilliant. the next two years it's something like that so you get a couple of years invites to the US amateur so we'll yeah i think we'll, we'll both definitely go over and play that yeah. yeah um next year i think then the other irish player would be mark power still eligible i think uh, because of his walker cup in 2019 yeah. so Excellent. um yeah so yeah i'd say we'll both be good over to that uh next year that would be the plan anyway
0: yeah, it's kind of mad win one event and suddenly. Like... All these things pop up in your horizon, maybe I've yeah.
4: thought about before. It's funny, as you said, that like even playing a US amateur is almost unattainable. Like you have to be top 50 in the world, which coming from Ireland, it's very hard to get the top 50. So, you know, even the US amateur three years ago was uh, like, you know, wasn't a chance sort of thing. So and now it even sort of you play it one, so you might get sort of three or three invites. It is, is pretty cool, but again getting your foot in the door is sort of quite good but that's the sort of the tough part but yeah you obviously have to play up to that sort of standard it's a couple steps up so you know yeah. it's it's trying to sort of practice get better and yeah. you know hopefully hopefully be some more competitive at them as well
0: you play a lot of winter golf do you put the clubs away ma
4: I? I pretty much put them away uh from from now really uh sort of october time there's no golf on so we've got one tournament in uh in november here me he fully uh killer africa picked for the it's what we call a concession cup so basically it's the it's it's the like medam version of the walker cup so it's but it's america against europe so i guess a 10-man ten 10-man ten team uh it's medam and seniors i think it's a mixed event so uh it's on the 14th of november maybe uh in valderrama so we've got, Awful. we've got a week there. I know, I know. So I'll have to I'll have to break my sort of, you know, my winter break to sort of go out and play there. So, yeah, but it'll be pretty quiet. Apart from that, it's pretty quiet up until January. And then the, the I think generally speaking, the first trip is sort of South Africa uh, uh, at the end of January then. I'll, I'll take the clubs out a couple of weeks early and dust them off and do a bit of practice before I get out there, you know. But, uh, yeah, pretty quiet, pretty quiet for the next three months apart from work. So. Brilliant.
0: Matt, listen, thanks very much for coming on the
4: podcast. Yeah, no problem at all, Paul. Good to speak to you.
1: Okay, well, that's almost it, except for one wee thing. PK, how did the 2022 Writer Cup go, Mr. Captain? That is very Uh, much writer, not writer. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, I know what you're like. (laughs) People will be thinking, what's she on about the writer Cup? What's that about? <laughs> it's um, <Lester> <laughs> okay, the writer Cup. This, this is this is for for regular listeners. The Ryder Cup. Me and Morris J, formerly of this parish, have played in yeah. a lot of these. Where some of the southern journalists and the northern journalists get together for a two-day match. It's all about promoting the brilliant golf product that we have up here. This year, it was at uh, Murray and Mazarin. Uh, I found myself roped into being captain. Mm-hmm. I didn't go well.
1: In in what sense?
0: Well, I thought my leadership was quite outstanding, but still got bait.
1: Right. Okay. But there was no mutiny or anything. No. Like, so far, I have been like. can't ignore you. Or... There
0: was an attempt to throw me under the bus at the end, but you know, a wee bit. <laughs> you know, Phil Mickelson.
1: Bill Mickelson Paul Watson. Watson type.
0: Yeah, Ooh. there was a bit of that going on, you know. But I think Who was I the think Mickelson? When, Oh, I couldn't possibly comment. No, Mars J would Morris never. Mikkelson? Morris J would <laughs> never throw me under the bus. No, it, it yeah. was very it was tighter than I thought. It ended up six five, but uh
3: oh, yeah, we, it was two
0: two after the first day after the four balls, and then mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, we didn't get the job done in the singles on the second day at Mauserine, which was uh but a uh, great days couple of days crack. Thanks to Tours of MNA, as always for uh, putting thanks. the whole thing together and always also I suppose. Just from a, a personal point of view, over the years, you've made a lot of good relationships and friendships and um, with people from the South and all the journalists there. So it's great to see them back up again. Like, it hasn't happened for a couple of years because of COVID. Uh, no. And it was mm-hmm. nice just to see people again and, and have a good yarn and have a bit of crack and talk about all the things that haven't happened for two years. Just it's funny mm-hmm. how you kind of forget that life did go on for people for two years, even though it just you, weren't, you just weren't seeing them. So yeah. a radical, unfortunately, now, I think in the overall standings.
1: Oh, yes, I have, what's that? I a notion, that
0: I have, there's about 10 or 11 of them, and I still think the ROI now is ahead. At least by one or two. And unfortunately, Emma, I've been captain twice and lost twice.
4: Oh.
1: not good.
0: That's not a does good Does that
1: record. mean you go back again? Or is I don't particularly you, want like...
0: to do it again. And I didn't want to do it this time. I was caught. The original guy who was meant to do it, unfortunately, had couldn't. Couldn't take up the post, so I got press ganged right. into it, um, <laughs> and then, then I, I, I took it on with gusto. However, um, I just don't seem able to do the rising speeches. You know, I, really I, I, I don't. No, I can't. I can't. I'm not a kiss the badge and tell everybody go out and do it for the motherland. It doesn't work for me. <laughs>
1: Maybe you need a little bit more American influence in your life.
0: Yeah, need like the president's cup. What did you make the president's cup?
1: Um it I was boring, again. boring for two
0: days and good for two days when the international team got their finger out.
1: Yeah, essentially essentially yeah. the golf was i was really i was the build-up and stuff i was i was all in for it particularly you know the pga tour loyal players and blah, blah blah very much all in for that and then i was like oh no this isn't actually that exciting and then yeah it was it was uh there was there was some fire towards the end and yeah. so the personalities and and when they were like what a captain you gotta like maybe you need yeah. him maybe you, should, maybe you should i need, I need get, a chat get, get to him and see
0: how you do it yeah. When you consider, you know, when you consider all that the international team had against them, mm-hmm. it was a pretty brilliant performance over the last couple of days to, to even make it competitive because
2: Absolutely. it looked
0: after two days that were going to get blown out of the water. It was just going to be pointless. But I think uh, a lot of the, the Asian players, it was great to see a wee bit of spark there, a wee bit of desire and maybe, you know. If the Korean influence could be like the Korean women influence would be flying in that tournament. It would be mm, absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Would you be in mm. favor of the, the suggestion that to mix it and it would be a men's and women's event?
1: Uh, I would love a men's and women's event. I don't really see the need to to overtake, take over the President's Cup mm. to do it. And I'm pretty sure the PGA Tour wouldn't be up for that either because it's a PGA Tour event and they would be able to like that. However, we get this this comes out whenever there's team golf like even the even the pga tour have their you know the to the pairs events and things it's always there's always social media goes wild with off oh, it was a mixed event like who would you be and, and the players all seem up for it as well i just we wouldn't we're always talking about how golf can be more progressive and without waving around loads more money and being allowed to wear shorts Woohoo! but you know what i mean it's like it's easy it's a wee buns it's there for you guys let's just have a mixed event where everyone gets involved they're up for it, so I would love it, but not. I, I think we still have a place for the President's Cup. It would be a shame just to be like the Seve Trophy that's not, not the Seve Trophy. Well, but, however, mm, that's back again,
0: yeah, just while we're on about that. So, in January, then, look, Donald's now going to lead Europe in, there, in a in a sort of remake of that type of event, uh, and yeah. it's going to be uh, the Honda. So, it's, it's a no, what are they calling it there? I think it's a hero trophy or something out like there. I think I'll just check it out here online. January a new match play contest between GB and the continent will take place at Abu Dhabi. Two ten man teams will compete over three days for the Hero Cup. So Donald's going to see everything. He's going to oversee everything. So what do you think? Yeah. I think that's that's. Yeah, it's a, it's obviously that from Luke's point of view, he's looking to have a look at some match play, uh, connections yep. and comparisons, and get people together, but. You know the fact that that they did away with Seve trophy and replaced it with this is a bit of a shame.
1: I don't know why. Yeah, it seems it seems a bit of a smack in the face, really. You know, given that there isn't really an awful lot named after Seve, and I mean, why? And this was this existed, so you bring it back. You don't. Why can't it be again? I do. I I don't get it myself. And people, oh, it's just a name but it's not really, it's about, it's about respect and everything else. And yeah, I think it'll be good. I think they need, they need practice. You know, they don't, particularly if they don't play in, um, in uh, over in America, particularly the European players, they need they need a bit of match play practice and, you know, testing out pairings and things is always, that's always the fun thing and speculating if they'll, we'll see a replication of it. And then if you don't think, hmm, wonder, wonder what they are actually thought of each other and why they're not together again. Will, yeah, I, it's will it's the Guard brothers really play together? together?
0: Will the High Guard mm. brothers play together or will they split them and all that sort of thing? So, yeah, it yeah. will have a certain amount of intrigue. Um, but it's just whether it's going to be established as something with a bit of longevity or whether yeah, they're just putting it in to try and give Luke and the European Ryder Cup team a better chance of being successful. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'd hate to think that's what they're doing But I would think that's what they're doing Okay <laughs> that's us Everybody thanks, follow us on the usual Social media, we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook And Emma and myself are both on Twitter f- Talking about golf regularly So follow us all And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you all soon, bye
3: Bye Alright don't touch me <laughs> <laughs> See Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. Shaking <laughs> that Woo! Shakin' that ass Shakin' that ass
4: Shakin' that ass <laughs>